Welcome to Forward to Extraordinary. I'm your host, Gary Balanoff, and we're here to bring you a dose of inspiration and hope in a world that frankly needs as much as possible. So my guest today is Aaron Kesters, the founder and executive director of the not-for-profit Little Giants Foundation. And Aaron has an amazing story to tell about what Little Giants is all about and her inspiration, her daughter, Emily. So welcome to the show, Aaron. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me, Gary. I'm super excited to not only share Emily's story and our mission through Little Giants Foundation, but be able to talk to you in Florida. Thank you. We appreciate it. Well, first of all, tell us about Emily. Uh, she was diagnosed with this thing called SIOD when she was four years old. That kicked off a whole lot of things. So tell us about what, how, how you found out about it and then what you did about it. Oh yeah, it's quite the complicated story and the journey to diagnosis for these children with SIOD, quite frankly, goes um, undiagnosed for the longest time because of its rarity and it's so hard to, to figure it out to get there because what this disease does is takes over their entire body. So for instance, this is her journey that I'll share a little bit with you on how we got to diagnosis. And although these children tend to have um, same kinds of things happen, they may not occur in the same order, if that makes sense. Sure. Okay, so um, Emily was born premature. And so, okay, preemie baby, a lot of the milestones that she didn't hit um, until the age of two or three, pediatrician, everyone just chalked it up to, okay, she's a preemie. Um, that was a complication in and of itself. Well, by the age of three and a half, we were about ready to go to her four-year checkup, and she just kept ballooning out, like getting a little Buddha belly. Mm -hmm. So we thought, she one too many Cheetos that we don't know about. <laughs> and, um, you don't and then your Twinkies have... all the time, do you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And these allergies, I have allergies. So we thought, well, maybe that's it. Her eyes were getting puffy. Well, come to find out there was something wrong with her kidneys. Mm -hmm. She was in kidney failure. And so her dad got checked out because she was, um, her kidneys were failing. And he's like, test me. I tested. I wasn't the match. Joe, my husband was. So at the age of four, she had a kidney transplant and this is donate life month. So yay, shout out to that. And um, they're going on 13 years of this kidney transplant, which is awesome That's amazing. in and of itself. And so we thought, okay, this is weird. We have no family history either side. And then after the kidney transplant, all kinds of things happened. And in the transplant world, usually kidney transplants aren't that bad. Uh, you know, they recover quickly, that kind of thing. Uh, but she did not. And we had more and more complications, infections. We were in the hospital this entire time for months. And then she got lymphoma. There was a 1% chance of her getting that post-transplant. And so went through all the chemo, still in the hospital, six months later, thought she was recovering. And 
within that time is when all the red flags were going off and I was researching and figuring out, okay, what's going on here? This is crazy. We brought in genetics. And so she was like four and a half. And finally, between myself and another geneticist, we found Shimke immunoosseous dysplasia, S-I-O-D. And we were like, but you learned a lot about it since then, right? Yes. Yeah. So we were like, okay, maybe she has this. So the testing is you get DNA from her and from both my husband and myself, because it is an auto recessive gene that came out positive for SIOD. Then you have a skeletal dysplasia scan um, because they need to check the formation of the bones because there's very uh, specific bone structure that's flat and irregular. That came out SIOD. And so it was just, we had our answer that we were looking for of why this was all happening, but we were like, oh, this is not the answer we wanted because with SIOD comes a life expectancy of nine years old. And she was four at that time. And so your, your whole life changes dramatically at that point, even though you know, you'd gone through kidney transplant, but like you said, kidney transplants have become fairly commonplace now. And if, if that solved it, you'd be free and clear and you know, dietary restrictions sometimes, but now you're, you're faced with SIOD. Now, what did that do? And how did you deal with that whole diagnosis? Well, being the kind of uh, research-based, I I was an English and theater teacher for 20 years. I just dove into everything that I could read, but there's not a lot out there (laughs) on it, as you can imagine being so rare. And when I'm talking rare, she was one of four at the time diagnosed in the US. Mm. Currently, she is one of 10 in the U.S. diagnosed. It That's kind about of as rare as it gets, Aaron. I mean, there aren't very more rare diseases or, or conditions. No. And so, I mean, when we're talking rare, we're talking extremely. And so I just delved into everything that I could, reached out to doctors across the country and beyond. And the good news is that here in Nebraska, we had some great doctors the University of Nebraska Medicine Center, Children's Hospital, and, but they don't know about this disease. A lot of doctors don't know about this disease. And so I was having to educate them about what I was finding online, you know, and what doctor loves a Google search, right? And and I was going to the, the library at the hospital. I mean, just everything. And they actually really did appreciate me trying to find out what was happening and how to help. And I found a researcher and that researcher was involved with rare diseases, Neil Borkel. And he got us in touch with our present researcher at Stanford in California, who is uh, carrying out what needs to be done and looked at a for SIOD for all children. And so that's who we're currently working with since 2017. But I'm kind of jumping around a little bit because there's just so much, but keep me on the, the straight path. But our journey with Emily, you know, she's such a fighter back in the hospital. We were 
inpatient for nearly two and a half years to start mm. this journey when we found out because one complication after another and she just kept fighting and fighting and with such grace you know for a four five and six year old and really pulled through whereas many of these children don't they get hit with even one of these things of kidney failure which is prevalent stroke um, cancer seizures debilitating seizures that she's had you know just all kinds of nasty infections all kinds of things and she just kept fighting back and fighting back and we're all going we don't know why this is happening exactly, but you keep going, girl. <laughs> and, and she seems in just the pictures that you've shown me, it's kind of like she's a, she's a happy kid. You know, she seems to have really not only survived, but also has such a, a positive attitude moving forward and wants to do as much with her life as she possibly can. So kudos to mom and dad for <laughs> bringing up a good one there. But <laughs> tell us a little bit about, you know, what the transition has been now, because she's got a big birthday coming up. And so she made it past nine and 10 and 11. And tell us about what's going on now in her life. Yes, thank you. She has the big number 18 on July 8th. My goodness. You know, this may sound strange to some folks out there who are listening, but we never really thought we would see this day coming. And we of course cherish every single moment and every single day with her and our other daughter, Taylor Joe, who happens to be nine now. Right. Um, she brought so much joy and light in some dark days. So, but Emily, when I think about the transitions of moving into an adult and becoming a senior in high school and all of the adversities that she has faced and come back with such resiliency, I'm like, oh, wow, now we, we, we get to go to the next step of life. We, we get to experience this and we still don't know how much time we have with her. And Granted, I know none of us do, but we've been written a sentence and she keeps defying those odds. Mm -hmm. And she really is teaching every doctor, specialist, researcher, person with any kind of medical issue so much about how to embrace what has been given to you and making that choice to keep getting up over and over again. Well, and she, you, you, you are an example, and I think she's an example of uh, cherishing every day. That's what you, you just mentioned, is we don't know how much time we've got. And so if we sometimes squander the day, uh, not realizing that this could be our last, uh, not to be morbid about it, but just, you know, enjoy your family, enjoy your friends, enjoy your life, enjoy what you're doing. So you, you started the Little Giants Foundation as a way of, of giving back and, and continuing to draw other people in to the circle of life, basically, of trying to do more. So tell us a little bit about Little Giants. Sure. So we established Little Giants Foundation in 2014 here in Nebraska. And when we did that, she was in the hospital I was teaching still, and but I knew that, 
you know, back in 2009, when she was diagnosed, we were somewhat alone. Uh, we knew of the other families. We talked to another family, um, but there just wasn't a lot out there or this support system, if you will. And my husband and I would joke like, who's going to come, me and you, you know, we show up <laughs> for each other all the time. <laughs> but we wanted to have a way to not only help with the research going on, which is revolutionary, but also be that support for other families. So once they're diagnosed, they have someone to talk to, to relate with, to, um, to find out, okay, what really is going to happen? Because not all of the ins and outs are always shared with you, you know? Right. Um, and just to know where can I find help? So we wanted to be just like any other family out there, support system to these SIOD families and provide them with the information that they need. And then of course, to help bring about awareness and educate the doctors coming in contact with these children. And you've also uh, engaged in, in uh, uh, with the rest of the community, basically. So tell us a little bit about how you've done that and, and different events that you're sponsoring or that you're working with you know, the, the uh, medical professionals as well as the community people who are you know, trying to provide support to not only little giants, but also to uh, anybody in that situation who has a child that you know, has a rare condition or disease. Right. So we have essentially four different annual events here in Nebraska. However, even though we're housed here, we extend our borders throughout the country and around the world. I am visiting with families and people, not only in the States, but all over wherever there are SIOD patients and talking to doctors. So I want people to be clear on that, that we're housed in the middle of America. However, our outreach is so much bigger. Our local events are with our baseball team, Omaha Storm Chasers in the spring. Uh, we have a community blood drive around Emily's birthday. This will be, I believe, our fourth annual, the Hometown Hero. So it's way July 8th, right? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> and the blood drive, thank you, is with Nebraska Community Blood Bank, and they supply the blood for our local hospitals, of which Emily attends, and other children and, and people. So it's very near and dear to us because that way we can pay it forward. Mm -hmm. And our nonprofit also receives some funding for every pint of blood as well. So it's a win-win. And then we also have, I have to think of everything real quick. Um, we also have our annual farm run in September, October, this year it's October, which is Dwarfism Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And we have, we're out there on a family farm running in the cornfields <laughs> and it will be hybrid. So we do have virtual runners as well, sure. um, but it's just a fun time in the fall to get together and chill on the countryside. It's so much more than a 5K. That's great, yeah. I mean, and. and Tell us a little bit about like, what are the next steps that you want to take or, or awareness that you want to create? And hopefully the podcast will be listened to by a few people. But, but on top of that, what kinds of things can we be doing as individuals, like you said, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, uh, to be able to support this kind of a foundation? One of the biggest things seems so simple, yet the outreach is huge, is sharing. 
sharing this podcast, sharing our website, sharing our different social media sites on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things, you know, just so, cause you never know who's connected out there and it may strike a chord, right? So that's one of the biggest things. Another thing, of course, is to help and donate what you can, when you will, um, whatever dollars, every dollar does matter. And so that's another way that you can help. Those that are more local, volunteering, showing up to events, whether virtual or hybrid or in-person, just all of those things you can pick and choose. And an interesting note is that, you know, after this, podcast, I, I meet with our researcher at Stanford. I talk to him on the phone. I do Zoom calls. You know, we've gone out there several different, you know, it's like we are in direct contact, direct line. So you know that your dollars are going directly to SIOD research. And right now our two projects that we're working on funding um, one is biorepository, gathering all the data of all the patients and their families and their blood to study more and having that all in one place. The second thing is a telomere project to look at the chromosome length um, in each patient and try to maintain it because uh, we find that it's shortened and lots of scientific stuff there, but you can find that information on our website. And then the big one, the big project is to someday come to a drug that is available for all SIOD children okay. now and in the future. That would be the ultimate. It's kind of like what uh, is going on today with the vaccines for COVID because um, you know everybody in the whole world is affected by that. But the challenge obviously for you and for any parent with, with a child in that kind of condition is if it's a rare disease, there's just not as much known. And so hopefully by getting the word out there uh, and, and I mentioned the website, the littlegiantsfoundation.org. Yes, so, and it is the littlegiantsfoundation.org. The littlegiantsfoundation.org. You can go on there and find all the information of, of the events coming up, how to donate, uh, how to just get more information about it and even uh, communicate with Aaron, <laughs> you know, on, you know, my child has this kind of situation and where would I find the kind of uh, researcher or local pediatrician knowledge or whatever, because obviously you're, you're in a city, you know, but I mean, I would imagine that in some of these uh, situations, there may be more kids that actually have it than have been diagnosed with it only because of the lack of local knowledge of the, the condition itself, correct? Exactly, Gary. And another thing to note is that the research happening is not only for SIOD because really uh, it's groundbreaking to help other immunosuppressive diseases in the long run. You know, So we're on the cusp of some pretty revolutionary things to help beyond SIOD. That's awesome. Well, I know you've got to get on with your work and we've got to get this podcast aired. So uh, thank you for being with us today, Aaron. And, and again, the organization is called the Little Giants and the Little Giants, the Little Giants Foundation.org is where you can get more information. We'll have it uh, along with the podcast on our website and uh, a reminder to keep, uh, you know, subscribing and telling other people about it because the only way we pass along inspiration is if you hear it. <laughs>
So hopefully this is, is inspirational to you. And thank you for being with us, Aaron. Uh, I'm your host, Gary Balanoff. And if you have somebody you'd like me to interview, just reach out to me on the website. And of course, the website is called forward, the number two, extraordinary.com. And we're trying to find as many extraordinary people to be able to listen to as possible because this world needs more folks like Aaron Kesters and her daughter. And we need to be able to put more, more messages out there that will be inspiring to all of you. So thank you for joining us today. And we'll, uh, we'll try to catch up with you again after the birthday and the, the, uh, the runs and everything else to be able to get a, a, a video audio update. So thank you for being with us. Thank you, Gary.